Thank you once again from Josiah and my heart. We were here back in January. We had a little mission window. So we got to meet many of you and we love what this church is about. It's about community. It's about the center of um, Christ. It's about bringing Christ back into the center of our lives, our families, our workplaces. So we are so excited to join you this morning. And I am just so grateful that Pastor Cindy and Steve are so gracious, and I hope that you guys had a wonderful vacation. She texted me, I don't know, a month and a half or two months ago. She was, Micah, are you up for the challenge? And I'm like, well, what are we doing? You know, so I said, yes, I graciously received the challenge of Acts chapter 12. So I said yes and amen to what God is doing, but also thank you, Pastor Cindy, for reaching out to me. Um, it's just fun to team up with other women in ministry. Um, we love men in ministry, but women in ministry, it's super fun to see other women lead, worship. It's, I like you guys. I like your guys'. Um, yes, tough crowd. <laughs> oh, so thank you once again. And like Cindy, uh, Pastor Cindy said, my name is Micah. And my husband and I, we're actually at Normandale Community College. We've been there for one whole school year. We start in about two and a half weeks launching year two um, at Normandale Community College where there are 15,000 students um, who don't know Jesus, who don't know the good news of Christ, who don't have a community at Normandale Community College. So that's why we love the name of your church, South Oaks Community Church. And we just love that you guys are rallying around the heart of Christ, providing time for women's events, men's events, and just really doing life together. So that's who we are coming out of Normandale. We've been married for about a two years already. Two years flies by when you're having fun. So um, that's just who my husband and I are. And I just want to pray that God would just move me out of the way this morning. He would do what he wants to do. So if you'll bow your, bow your heads and just close your eyes, um, we're just going to ask God to come on in even more. So Father God, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing at South Oaks Community Church. We thank you for the leadership of Pastor Cindy and Pastor Steve. God, would you just be with every single person here? Would you speak to them de deeply, Lord God? Would you just move miraculously in their situations, their circumstances, their trials, their tribulations, God? And we usher in the presence of the Holy Spirit to invade our heart, God. Would you infiltrate our heart, our soul, our mind with your truth, with your love, with your grace, and with your words today as we read the word of God, which is such a blessing to us. So Father God, we say yes and amen to what you have. I say, Lord, will you move me out of the way and use me as a mouthpiece just to speak, Lord. So I humbly um, just accept the challenge of Acts 2, Lord God, or Acts um, 12, and just say yes and amen to what you have for this community and what you have to say here in this place today. So in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. amen. So a recap of Acts, I went all the way back to chapter 1, just like you guys have been, have been studying. So I just want to recap, so if you're coming through the door and maybe you don't know the Word of God as much as some in the room, I just want to kind of bring you in and reel you in on the situation. So after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the Gospels, after those books are written, it was the book of Acts, and that is right after Jesus died on the cross and salvation became offered to everyone, Jews and Gentiles, good and bad, faithful and unfaithful, dirty and clean, literally everybody, the salvation of God was offered to everybody. And if we continue on, there's a promise of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit happens in the upper room. Peter preaches to a crowd after denying Jesus three times. 
The believers are forming a community, like you guys are believers forming a community right here. Peter is healing a crippled beggar. He is preaching in the temple. They are preaching the word in boldness and in power. And in chapter 5, 18, the apostles were arrested and put in jail, but the angel of the Lord came at night and opened that gate. So we're seeing miracles already in the book of Acts. Peter is saying things like, remember when he denied Jesus three times? Now he's saying things like this in Acts 5, 29. He says, we must obey God rather than any human authority. So after the Holy Spirit came, he started acting out in boldness. And he was going after the heart of the non-believer and bringing them to the heart of Christ. In Acts chapter 6, 7, so God's message continued to spread. Even after those guys were in jail, and they were thrown in jail, and God got them out, the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many Jewish priests were being converted too. How awesome is that? We know that, we know that Stephen addressed the council. There were water baptisms, Holy Spirit baptisms going on. Saul was killing Christians. And he later became a Christian. He went from Paul or Saul to Paul, right? And now James is killed, and now Peter is in prison. Woo! I caught you up to speed very fast in 11 chapters. But here's the thing. With a story like that, we don't need soap operas. We don't need sci-fi movies. We don't need thrillers. We have the Word of God, and the Word of God is an extreme adventure, whether or not we decide to plunge in all the way and how we read the Word of God and how we understand what He was doing and how miraculous our God and Creator is. And speaking of adventure, I love adventure. If you don't know Josiah and uh, my story, when we got engaged, he flew me down to the Grand Canyon where he said, Michael, let's go, out for let's go out for breakfast. And I was like, okay, let's go out for breakfast. Okay, he doesn't get up at 5.05 a.m. He's like, I'll be at your house at 5.05 a.m. And that ticket for breakfast actually became a ticket to a flight down to Arizona where he proposed and asked me to go on an adventure of a lifetime. <laughs> he said, Micah, I love you. Will you go on an adventure of a lifetime with me? And we want Christ to be the center of that adventure. So obviously we love adventure. And I love being outside. I love running, biking, walking, anything, flying in the air, um, parasailing, whatever. We love adventure. And I have this one little thing that I like to do. Josiah doesn't really join me on this, but I nerd out and geek out over this thing called Netflix. I don't know if you guys have actually heard of it or not. <laughs> but Netflix may or may not be the next thing. And um, if you do watch Netflix, you know that they have many interesting documentaries. Anything from the Bible stories to under the sea to space to food to people, all those different things. And I was nerding out actually over some documentaries. I like the food ones, those are fun. But nature and wildlife, sharks, volcanoes, tornadoes, people, you name it, I probably watched it just because I believe God has called all of us to be lifelong learners, right? And if we want an adventure of a lifetime, then we need to start learning what He has for us. And as I was watching one of these documentaries and kind of hearing some fun things, I actually started learning about birds and how they migrate and how they leave during certain times of the year and how they fly to, to certain tropical vacations like many of us want to do someday <laughs> to enjoy the south and to get out of the cold. That's why they're called snowbirds, you guys. Um, but I was watching and listening to this documentary, and I'm going to read this little story. This is my version, not their version, so I'll bring you up to speed here. But this is what I was, I was watching and listening to. There was a study done um, that scientists, they took this group of birds into a lab for observation. 
These birds were in cages for observation. After the scientists had taken notes and studied the birds, it was now time to send them back into the wild. But to do that successfully and to do that safely, the scientists wanted to see if the birds would leave their cages on their own. So they opened all the cages and left the room to observe the birds' behavior. To the surprise, to their surprise, guess what? The birds remained in their cages with no interest in exploring the opportunity of freedom to fly away. So the scientists, what they do? They took it one step further. They swung open the huge glass windows that were in the laboratory. They left the cages open for the birds to fly out. And they left the room, shut the door, stepped behind the glass to observe what these birds were going to do. And guess what, you guys? The birds now had a chance for freedom, complete freedom, not just out of the cage, but out of the building into the wild. But the birds didn't take the chance of freedom. They had the opportunity to fly right into the habitat that they were created for, to be fearless and free. But to the scientists' surprise, the birds remained captive and comatose. You see, these birds were in captive so long that they forgot what it was like to be free. The birds forgot what it was like to be free. You see, those, those birds could have had a Peter moment, as we'll read on today. They could have had a Peter moment and escape from prison. But unlike Peter, the birds chose to remain captive, and unfortunately, we're not much different than those birds at times, right? We know that we're not perfect. We know that we're never going to arrive we know that God is wanting to do a work in us, but sometimes we're in a state of our own captivity, whether it's sin, doubt, worry, fear, you name it. Something is holding every single one of us back. We're not perfect, so we always have something going on in our life. And we sometimes, unfortunately, we are captive and comatose in the areas of prayer, in the area of relationship with Jesus Christ, and also in relationship and community with each other. And Peter recognized that God, Peter recognized that God sent the angel of the Lord and he opened the gate and prison doors so he could be fearless and free. He opened that gate for Peter to be fearless and free, to spread the good news of the gospel. So we're going to pick up in your Bibles. If you guys want to turn, or you can follow along, I believe, on the screen, <coughs> we're going to pick up right there in Acts chapter 12. Verses 6, that's kind of where we're going to start. Acts chapter 12, verses 6 through 19. I'm going to read this story. All right. Actually, you can go back to 5. That's even better. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. Did you get that? So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries <coughs> stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appear, appeared, and a light shone on the cell. He struck Peter on the side and told him to wake up, quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around, around you and follow me, and the, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but had no idea that the angel was what he was doing and was <coughs> really and what when what was really happening. He thought he was actually seeing a vision. 
They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had started walking down the street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to him, <coughs> then Peter came, when he came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches, from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. <coughs> when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also Mark, where many people gathered and they were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Ron Rhoda came and answered the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door! <laughs> so Peter's outside, and she's running away. <coughs> You're out of your mind. You're out of your ever-loving mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that this was so, they said, it must be his angel. It must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when the door opened and he saw and they saw him, they were astonished. Peter mentioned with his hand, motioned with his hand, and from them to be quiet, be quiet. And he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Well, guess what? In the morning, there was no small commotion about the soldiers as to what had happened to Peter after Herod had a thorough search for him and did not find him he cross-examined the guards and ordered them to be executed Herod ordered them to be executed so as you can see there are a lot of things happening in this a lot of things happening in this chapter the faithfulness of God and I think there are four things I feel like really popped out to me when I was praying over this message, and it was simply this. There are four things I think every single one of us need, can relate to, and can start praying into. And that's number one. What was happening? Number one, prayer. We all need prayer. We all need to be praying. We all need to be interceding on the behalf of the broken, the lost, our loved ones, ourselves, our families, our workplaces, there is power in prayer. And I think sometimes when we pray, we forget that our words carry weight. And when we pray, it can shift the heavenly realms in such a way that God shows up. So we all need to be in prayer. And in verse 5 of this chapter, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Peter had a prayer team. Peter had a prayer team. And for those of you who don't know, before church starts, they have a prayer team back here. Starts at quarter after nine every single Sunday to pray for you, pray for this community, pray for God to break through whatever he needs to break through in our hearts. So Peter had a prayer team. In verse 12, if you read that again, when this, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary the mother of John, also called Mark. And what were they doing? Where many had gathered and were praying. There's power in prayer. You see, as they were praying in that room in Mary's house, Peter was having a supernatural encounter with God because they were intervening. He gets free, shows up, bam, bam, bam. Rhoda, let me in. 
She takes off freaking out, and they think she's an angel. It's his angel, right? There's power in prayer. So that's the number one that really stuck out to me in this chapter and in this verse. One, prayer. Two, I think we can recognize, obviously, Peter's in prison. And I, th- I believe that we can all relate in feeling trapped, maybe taken captive, or maybe even in a season of feeling defeat. But even wha- while he is in prison, Peter was obedient. Peter was obedient. And we see that in four different verses right here. Verse 7, if you want to go back. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Peter's in prison. Guess what? The chains fell off his wrists. Verse 9, Peter followed him out of the prison. He followed the angel out of the prison. Verse 10, they passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Now, I didn't notice this until actually yesterday. I was praying and kind of just going through my notes, and I'm like, Lord, show me something new. I read this for the last probably two or three weeks every day, chapter 12, chapter 12. God, show me something that I've never seen before. Show up and teach me something that I've never been able to observe because I'm in the way of what I think is being said in this chapter. So I started praying, God, supernaturally show me something. Maybe this was just my epiphany or my breakthrough, but I noticed there were five impossible obstacles that Peter went through while he was in prison. I just read them in verse 10. What are they? He has chains on his wrists. Obstacle number one. Number two, the cell door. Number three, first guard post. Four, second guard post. Five, iron gate. Six is pretty stinking dangerous. He just got out of jail walking the streets at night, and the angel left him. (laughs) So there are five, two, six, depending on how. I'd be a little scared, freaked out, running around the streets, (laughs) trying to get to Mary's house, recognizing that I'm probably jail bait, like right here. Hello. So there's five obstacles. And the thing that I want to share with you today is that God will make a way when there seems to be no way. So if you feel like you're in prison this morning or you feel like you're in a season that is hard, that is challenging, you are wrestling with your faith, you're wrestling with your family, you are wrestling with God, you're frustrated, broken, depressed, angry, frustrated, bitter, I don't know, but God does. We all have something. We all have something. So I think we can relate to Peter, maybe not being in literal prison or physically in prison, but our soul can feel like it is being held captive. And it can feel like we're in a, sto- uh, a case, we have a case of comatose. We're walking around. And even in this chapter, Peter thought that he was in a dream. It was a supernatural state of a, an angel coming and showing up that he was just obedient, walking through. Oh, my chains fell off. Okay, angel, I'm going to get dressed. Okay, yep. The door cell opened. Okay, yep, I'm just going to step through the, the, the guards of gate number one, gate number two, and then I'm going to get to the iron gate, and that's going to open, and then I'm going to step out into freedom. But the freedom didn't end or stop there because God keeps moving and kept moving. And at the end of that chapter, he said, warn these people, I got other things to do. I got to spread the word. I got to spread the love and the truth of God in Jesus Christ. 
So I think that's the second thing. First, we need prayer. Two, we need to recognize what prison are we in? What prison are we in? And three, people. There are four Ps if you're, if you're catching on. Prayer, <laughs> prison, we're all something going on in life, and then three, people. He had a community of people. Peter was doing ministry with the disciples and with Jesus. He had people. Those were his 12. Those were his 11, 12. He had his people. But, G- but he also had who? Those prayer warriors. In verse 5, the first place he went when he was declaring that pra- he was praising God, I envision it, he's praising God down the street. Got to go to Mary's house, got to tell them, got to warn them. And he catches them in a prayer meeting. He had people. He had somebody to go celebrate with aside from God. So that's why when we're in church, I encourage every single one of you, get plugged into this community, get plugged into a Bible study, prayer, whatever that is that God's calling you to. Just say yes and see what God does. Just say yes and see what God does. The fourth thing that we happen after prayer, prison, people, the fourth thing I recognize is this, prevails. The word of God always prevails. In Acts 6 and 7, right after they were in prison and God brought an angel and they all got out of prison, so God's message continued to spread. And if we read even in Acts 24, I didn't read all the way down there, but if you read Acts 12, 24, it says this. This is after King Herod's death. He was being disobedient and started praising um, a different idol or praising different things. God struck him dead right there. And right after Herod's death, this is what it says. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. End of chapter 12. God and his will and his word always prevails. Always prevails. And if we can think about that, and I know that the bird story is, you know, not a biblical story, but I think it's a good analogy to kind of take into consideration. What are we doing? What is God saying? Do we have prayers going up to heaven? Do we have prayer warriors in our life? Are we getting into the throne room and experiencing what God has for us? Number two, What is our prison? Where are we being held captive? It can be something way back to childhood. It can be that first memory of feeling rejection. It can be that first memory of feeling so angry. It can be that first memory of whatever, you name it. We all have something because we're all discovering more of who God is, more of who he's called us to be, I think my prayer for, for myself and this generation to come and, you, and everybody in this room is more of God and less of me. Yes. More of God, less of me. Yeah. More of God, less of me. And that's a hard season to be in because what is he doing? He's stripping back the layers of our character and the layers. We think of it like an onion. Oh, gosh, i got to deal with this bitterness. Oof. Oh, i got to deal and i got to forgive so-and-so. Ugh. Oh, man, I got I to gotta think back to that memory when I felt rejected by my dad at age four. Yikes, I haven't thought about that for years. I'm disappointed with the job, with my marriage, with my kids, whatever. The thing is that we all have something because none of us are perfect. We live in a fallen, broken world. But the amazing thing is Jesus calls us his own. And we live in a country and in a community where we can praise God and we can come into community with each other and with him each and every single week, each and every single day. So kind of going back to that bird story, there's three things we can all do. 
kind of looking at that bird story, the birds had an opportunity to do what? Be free. To be free. Mm -hmm. To be fearless and experience the freedom of flying of which they were created to do. Naturally, they're created by God. They're created for God. They chose not to. They wanted to be held captive in comatose. Captive meaning someone's going to feed me in this cage. I'm not going to go and find out if I can go hunt or find anything. They're going to let me be comfortable. I think when we become in a state of comatose, we don't even realize that we're being held captive sometimes, right? I know I've been there. I'm sure all of you can relate on some levels. And if there's three things I believe that we can all do to understand what does it mean to be fearless and free versus captive and comatose. And this is what it is. Three things we can do. Number one, identify. Identify. Identify that area of life that I am choosing or that you are choosing to be held captive in. God has already offered freedom through the blood of Jesus Christ. He has already offered that freedom through the blood of Jesus Christ. The second thing we can do after we identify that area is surrender. One of the hardest things, I don't know if you guys can relate, what's the hardest thing to do? Aside from forgiveness, I think it's surrender. Okay, God, I really want you to do this, but I don't know if he's going to take it. You know, we want to surrender our sin. We want to surrender something to him, but we're still always holding on with one hand. Maybe it's one pinky, and we don't fully surrender, which means we don't fully experience the complete freedom of God. We're still in a state of captivity, whether or not we want to admit it, whether or not we can recognize it, whether or not we've worked through all of it. We're all a project, but we are a beautiful mess in God's eyes. So surrender that fear through prayer and surrounding yourself with a community of believers that will uphold you and hold you to a higher standard. How amazing is it to be a part of community? We work with young adults, and God laid us on my heart for this next school year and this next generation. Micah, you need to be an individual, and I would challenge you to potentially be this individual too. I'm going to call my brothers and sisters. I'm going to call you out. But in the same sentence, I'm going to call you up. I'm going to call you out on what I'm seeing, what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me because I've been in prayer, because I'm in your community, and because I'm dealing with my own mess. I'm going to call you out, but I'm going to call you up to a higher standard of living that aligns with the word and will of Jesus Christ. So I meet with many girls that are just like, I just need to surrender this. I need to surrender forgiveness. I know that I need to do this. I know, I know, I know. I know, but... Yeah, I know you hear me, but you don't care. But God does care. And I do care. And when we start surrounding ourselves with a community and we start surrendering those fears, those doubts, those worries, those things that are holding us captive, freedom can only infiltrate our hearts and our lives to make us go further and farther. But when we go further and farther together, that's even more powerful. So after we identify that area that we're choosing, that we're choosing to be held captive in, two, surrendering that fear through whatever, you fill in the blank, it's your story. And then number three, believe. Believe that God will prevail. Prevail. Declare victory, like we talked about this morning, declare victory over that portion of your life and trust that God will help you experience full freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the big question. 
the always the big question is, how? How do I do that? Well, guess what, guys, girls? It's finished. The battle has been won. We've been talking about a lot in the prayer room today that we are like on this battlefield. We're on this battlefield. Yes, we're in the battle, but the war has been won through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the big question is how? It's easy. I didn't say it's easy to do, <laughs> but it's easy to recognize that it's the blood of Jesus Christ. And just reflecting on this, if God can use Peter, Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, Peter, the one that Jesus turned to and said, get this, you guys, he said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but, near, but merely human concerns. And that's in Matthew 16, 23. If the son of the living God can call Peter out and call him Satan and say, get behind me, you're a distraction, that's not of the Lord. Woo! I think he can use us. Yeah. <laughs> I think he can use us. Peter was one of the 12 disciples. Peter was um, the one who went from denying Jesus to declaring Jesus. He was the one who healing, crippled the lame, who was teaching and preaching the good news of Jesus. And even after prison and jail, he would not stop. He would not stop. He sent up the warning flag, hey, warn my friends, I'm out. I got other places to go, other places to be, and more people to see come to Christ. And if God can use Peter, I think he can use you. I think he can use me. And I don't know if you guys know this, but the name Peter in Greek means Petros. Or in English, stone. Or little rock. And I think sometimes in life, we may feel like that bird in captivity. We may feel like that little rock. We may feel that we have nothing to offer our friends, nothing to offer our family, nothing to offer back to Christ because we've forgotten who we are and whose we are. And then we forget about our self-worth. We're not worthy of anything, but Jesus is worthy of it all. And because he's worthy of it all and he says, I have chosen you, I have appointed you, I've anointed you, I'm calling you by name, I know every hair on your head, that makes us worthy. That makes us worthy. We're worthy to be loved by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I want to take some time to really reflect. The big question is how. If you're in this room and you're a believer, obviously you know how. How do I get past this portion of my life that's being and holding me captive? How do I do that? I need to recognize who I am and whose I am and who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for me. And I don't know if you're like me, but there are many seasons where I'm just wondering and taking a self-inventory, you know, of like, why am I short with this person? Why am I getting snippy or snappy over there? Why do I feel this agitation in my heart or my spirit? What is going on inside of me that's like sending these triggers? So I do a self-evaluation. I learned this actually in business class that you actually use for marketing, but now I apply it to ministry and to self-care because we all need some self-care, right? Oh my gosh. Oh, so I ask questions. These are what they teach you in business, and now I'm going to teach you in ministry. We already know the how, right? So I go through who, what, when, where, why, and how. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. I'm going to have Lily, you want to come up on the keys for me, please? I'm going to have you guys stand. And this is an opportunity for all of us to reflect. So I'm just going to go through 
I want you to just really pray into what God is speaking to you. Pray into what God is wanting to reveal to you today. Where are you being held captive? The beautiful thing is, and the ugly thing is, that we all have something. It can feel like it's huge, it can be something small, but guess what? It is of equal value in the eyes of God. He cares for you, he sees you, he knows you. Where are you being held captive? Where are you choosing to be held captive? We have the how. I go through the self-evaluation and say, where? God, where am I being held captive? Where? Ask God right now, God, where am I being held captive? Where am I being held captive? Next question is what? What is keeping you there? What is keeping you in captivity? Is it fear, anger, worry, control, forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others? What is keeping you in that cage like that bird that has an opportunity for freedom but is refusing to spread its wings and fly? Next question is who? Who is keeping you locked up? Is it you? Is it others? Is it the lies of the enemy? Is it an insecurity? Who is keeping you locked up? Because the price has been paid. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you can experience that freedom here today. Wherever it's at, it's right in front of you. So if you feel like you're that caged-in bird in the back of that cage and the door's open, I encourage you, start walking towards that exit. It's not an entrance to go back into, it is an exit. Because God has paid it all. So we have where, what, who, when. When. When was this portion of my life or your life taken over when was this portion of your life taken over, surrendered, or maybe even hijacked? Because we know that we have an enemy, and his name is Satan, and he is doing everything in his power to do what? To kill, steal, and destroy. He wants you in that cage. He wants you to be comatose. He wants you to be held captive. But Jesus came down from the cross and said, uh-uh, no way, not my children. They will walk in complete freedom. So identify, when was this portion of my life surrendered? When was this portion of my life taken? When was this portion of my life hijacked by the lies of the enemy? Or an insecurity, or a word, or a label that somebody placed on me somewhere on and in my life that I put on my chest like a name tag, failure, loser, unworthy. God wants to peel those layers off. He wants to peel back those layers of your heart, those layers and lies of the enemy. And he's saying, get out of that cage. Step into freedom. Be fearlessly and recklessly abandoned of self and spread your wings and fly into my arms because he will not fail you. The last question is, why? Why have you or I, why have you been choosing to stay locked up like those birds? 
Why? What's your why? Why are you back in the back of the cage, scared, afraid, ashamed, when God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made? You are chosen. You are a royal priesthood. I have called you. I've created you. And John 8, 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And it's easier to wonder what freedom feels like than to truly trust God at times. It's easier to stay locked up in that cage. It's easier, it's safer, it feels comfortable. But I'll tell you what, once you step out of that prison cell, you will never, ever, ever want to go back. If you want to experience full freedom, then stop finding comfort in the lies of the enemy. Stop finding comfort in the lies of the enemy. And I believe that God is wanting to do, I don't, I don't believe, I know, I know God is wanting everyone in this room to experience breakthrough. That when I wake up in the morning, this is my biggest prayer for you and for anybody I pray for. When I wake up in the morning, when my feet touch the floor, what do I want? I want hell to shake and heaven to cheer that I'm awake. Why? Because I'm a threat to the enemy. The moment I get up and put my feet on the floor, holy moly, Micah's up. She's going to do something for God's kingdom, and the enemy wants to stop me. I want to be a threat to the enemy. I want to be a threat to the enemy. But guess what? The battle has been won, so we have heaven cheering us on. I want hell to quake and heaven to um, cheer to know that I'm awake. How many of you want that today? You want that freedom. You want to be a threat to the enemy, and you want to bring people to the heart of Christ. So we need to declare victory over our heart, our soul, our mind, our body. Every single ounce of your being needs to be fully surrendered to God. Lord, less of me and more of you. More, Lord. More, Lord. A fresh outpouring, a new breath in my lungs, a new word from God. I'm not going to be that caged up bird anymore. It's a choice. I've chosen to stay there. I've chosen to be there. I've chosen to be scared. But guess what? It's not an entrance to be entered again. It's an exit. When that door and that cage is shut, you don't want to go back. You will not want to go back. And I felt like when I was praying last night, God gave me this really cool visual. And you know, like Peter means little rock, or Peter means stone. Sometimes I think we feel like a little rock, right? That our life is insignificant, that we don't matter. I'm old, I'm young, I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough, I don't have any influence. Guess what? All those are lies. You are enough. You want to know why? Because Jesus says you are. You are enough. And he is enough. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you could ever do to make God love you less. He sees you, he knows you, he has a plan for you, but if you're being held captive, you are preventing yourself from experiencing the full freedom that Jesus Christ offers every single one of us. And to remind ourselves of who we are and whose we are and that our lives are not insignificant, they are significant. I have this really cool visual that I saw and it was just this mosaic. I don't know if you guys know what a mosaic is. It's all these little pieces of glass or stone that make up a big, beautiful mural. They make up a big, beautiful picture. They make up a stained glass window. But if I just have one, 
I may feel insignificant. This isn't maybe the most beautiful thing. This isn't maybe the most put together thing. This looks, does not look like any of the other ones. It could be big, it could be small, it could be jaded, it could be a different color, it could have a different calling. So as you look at these, you recognize, I may feel small, I may feel insignificant, but you know what? The work of God is not done, and his message and his will, his word, guess what? It always prevails. The fortunate thing is that we all have a chance to get out of captivity today and step into freedom, step into what God has called us to do, to take those dreams and those prayers and take them to the next level. Those things that we've surrendered to the enemy, I always get this picture. I put a dream on the shelf in like a bookshelf. I'm like, okay, well, if God wants me to do that, then. And I walk away and I don't pray about it. I don't share about it in a community. And I allow myself to hold myself captive at times. And God is saying, I want you to get out of the cage. I want you to take that dream that I placed in your heart, dust it off. And I want you to start praying into it because I'm going to breathe life into it. So if you feel like you are insignificant, if you feel unworthy, if you feel small, guess what? We are better together. We are better in a community and we can call each other out in love and call each other up to a higher standard of living. And as each of these mosaic pieces starts being put together, it becomes a picture, right? A beautiful window, a stained glass window, a piece of art. And God's saying, yes, you are one piece to the puzzle. And without you, I'll still do my work. But I don't want to do this without you. I'm choosing you. So when you feel like that small rock, we serve the rock. Jesus Christ is the rock on which we stand. But we can't do it alone. When you start putting these pieces together, and you start discovering who you are. It's a beautiful work of art. And we're a beautiful mess in God's eyes. So I just want to pray over you right now. Whatever that thing that's holding you captive, I want you to surrender. I want you to, I want you to say, Lord, I am sorry for holding on to this for so long. I'm sorry for holding that person captive. I'm sorry for whatever it may be. You fill in the blank, but we all have something. And if you think that you're in this room and you don't have anything, believe me, I've been there. It's probably pride. And we need to humbly be that bow down before God and recognize I am created. I want to be a piece of this puzzle that God's creating, this beautiful glass that I can see and I can feel and I can touch. I don't ever want to forget who I am and whose I am because I'm a piece and I'm a part of God's great love story. So I just want to pray and I'm going to have you guys surrender. You're going to repent first and say, Lord, I am sorry. Lord, I am sorry. That thing, it's a thing, it's a person. It could be a memory, it could be a word, it could be a label. Just surrender to God. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would just continually invade the hearts of these people. God, I know this is a heavy message, and I know that it's a breakthrough moment, Lord God. So I just pray for victory. God, you are the victorious one that we love, that we worship. God, even Peter was a little stone, and guess what? He denied you three times, and you still used him. God, every single one of us has a past. We're in the present, God, and we have a future. So God, I just pray that there is freedom today, that we are fearless. 
running into your arms, we experience freedom, that we are no longer captive and comatose like those birds in that story, God. But we see that gate and that cage only as an exit, never an entrance. So God, I just pray for breakthrough. I pray for a love and a joy and a peace that surpasses all understanding, God. Lord God, we praise you and we worship you. And I just want to read the First Chronicles 4.10 over you. It's a prayer of Jabez. Jabez is only mentioned once in the Bible, but it's powerful. I believe Jabez's name actually means pain and birth or something like that. His mother was in extreme pain, and this was Jabez's prayer. Jabez called out to the Lord of Israel, Lord, if only you would bless me and enlarge my territory, may your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted the request of Jabez. So that's my prayer for you, that God would bless you, that he would enlarge your territory. You have influence. You have a voice. You have a prayer closet. Maybe you don't have one yet, but you need to find one. And may the hand of the Lord be with you and keep you from harm so that you will not experience pain, you will not bring pain, but you will bring freedom in Jesus' name. So I'm actually going to have you guys come up because I don't want you to forget where you've come from or who you are. I think there's enough room. If you need somebody to come up and get one of these for you, I want to give this to you as a reminder. As a reminder that you are significant. You may feel like a little rock, but we serve the big rock. You may feel like your story's over, but here's the thing. You are never too young to teach and you are never too old to learn. We all have something to offer back to Christ. We all have something to offer each other. So I'm going to have you guys, if you want to come up, you can go row by row. doesn't matter. Come up. There's a little mosaic heart up here, and it just reminds me of the heart of Christ. As we took communion today, to not forget that you're part of something. You're part of a bigger picture, and you are significant. So if you want to come up or you need to send somebody up to grab you a piece of stained glass, come on up. This is a reminder of your freedom and your significance that you have a purpose and God has a plan. I have one of these from like eight years ago when I was at a women's conference and it's still in my purse. And a constant reminder that when I feel like I'm unworthy, call on the name of the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord. So if you take that little piece in your hand, I just want you to just recognize you're choosing freedom today. You're choosing freedom for whatever was holding you captive. So, Lord God, I pray you bless every single person here. God, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the gift of freedom. We thank you that we do not need to be like those birds in those cages being held captive. But we say yes and amen to who you are. You are the victorious one. You are the alpha. You are the omega. You are the beginning and the end, God. And we don't want to miss it. So God, as you remove those hurts, those hurdles, and those hang-ups, I pray for blessing. I pray for love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control, Lord God, and complete and utter freedom. So God, as people leave here today, would there be a new, fresh breath in their lungs? Would there be a pep in their step, Lord God? And would their smile go for miles, knowing that they are chosen and they have an opportunity to experience freedom, God, but to offer freedom to others, not in their namesake, Lord God, but in your namesake. So Father God, we say yes and amen to freedom in Jesus' name.
Everybody clapped and said amen. Let's give Jesus a thank you.